This is Danny Smith, and you're listening to Wild Seed, the podcast. And today I have my very good friend, Chelsea Krieger here. Chelsea, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Chelsea Krieger. I'm a licensed esthetician in Washington State. And I also do work in the mental health field and find other um, ways to express myself, whether that's through working out or um, interacting creatively with others. Well, I haven't really shared this before, but yeah. like this year has been like a year of evolution and change for me. So I'm really glad that this is the last episode of 2023 and that I'm doing this with you. Um, yeah. Because you're a very special person in my life. Can you tell us about the Green Queen? How did you decide on that name? <laughs> Actually, that's a, a question that gets brought up often. And I think a lot of people will find their own reasons because a lot of people do know that I've been vegan for like eight years. Sometimes people think it's just that. Um, sometimes people do think it has to do with cannabis just because I have model in the cannabis industry. But originally, actually, it came up when I was on my first team ever um, as an esthetician. We were all obsessed with this, <laughs> this dressing for our salads, and it was called the Green Goddess. And one of my esty besties, she's like, dude, this, if you were named a food, this would be it, like the Green Goddess. <laughs> because back then I was raw vegan, and... I just, it kind of like embodied me who I was. Like everything was green, pretty much natural. Yeah. I really focused on only doing whole foods as well. Um, love, obsessed with nature. Um, so I think I kind of got that. And then when I went to go look for it on Instagram, it was already taken. So I changed it to queen and I added the dear green queen because at the time I was still blogging a lot and I kind of liked the concept of like, people reaching out to me, like the old school, like, let me write in to... Dear Abby? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> like, exactly, yeah. Dear Abby vibes. So then, once I was able to find that on Instagram and all, across all platforms, I just went ahead and snatched it and then kept it. But now, I would say, yeah, it, it could easily go any way, like, whether it's from, like, veganism, having, a, like, a more natural approach to life or nature mm -hmm. and cannabis, too, at this point. So, yeah. Do you still use that dressing? Um, yes. <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> it's good. You hear that, Trader Joe's? We're shouting Sponsor me. Right <laughs> <laughs> okay, some people might not know this about you, but your first job was modeling as a child, right? Yes, so actually. Which I don't ever, I never really thought about until more so recently how much I have worked before like adulthood mm -hmm. and how much I put myself out there for the world to see and like hear about. So that was my first experiences. Um, I did some modeling where it was more so through an agency and then also through different companies like i modeled for mariners one time it was like in a mariners hot dog ad when i was younger oh yes <laughs> my mom loves to post that because it's a hot dog of course and she's like look at my vegan babe like, <laughs> and i was the only kid who didn't eat the hot dog by the way so yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so how old were you uh oof at that time i want to say it was six okay yeah wow you've been working all your life I, wow. <laughs> All my life I had to. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, did it feel like work though as a child or were you just having fun? I feel like I was having fun, but I know that a lot of it stems from like one, making my mom happy. Mm. Also, I felt like I loved to have duty and responsibility really early, no mm. matter what it was. So, no, it didn't feel like work, 
I can look back now and be like, it probably was in one way or, you know. Yeah. Other than the Mariner's photo yes. shoot with the hot dog that yes. you didn't eat, exactly. do you have other, like, memories of modeling? Um, more so, I would say, like, as I got older, not until college, um, I did a few different, like, hair modeling gigs, and I would say not until after college is when I started doing like cannabis modeling. But yeah, when really young, I can't really remember every little thing. What high school did you go to? Spanway Lake High School. After high school, did you go to San Francisco? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so like right um, the summer after high school, I moved with my family to California. At that time, I didn't actually apply to college during high school. I was definitely still in that mode of like people pleaser and like, I just got really good grades, but I didn't know what I was looking for. Like, I just knew how to follow rules. So, like, I had a 4.0, but didn't apply to college. Yeah. Moved, and I was like, okay, I can get my first job because I was always busy during high school. I did work with my mom a few times, just, like, in... We would do um, classes for, like, paint classes, teach people how to, like, decorate their spaces. But going to California was really, like, the first shift, and I would say even, like, learning who I was... Mm -hmm. Um, and being in a space that I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. So I was around people who didn't know me, so I felt like I could kind of finally be who I wanted to be. Right. And that was, like, the first transition. My first, like, I guess, I won't say real job, but retail <laughs> job was actually working for Payless in California. Oh. Yes, for a year. And then I went to school in San Francisco. Um, after a year there, and I felt like I didn't really fit in there, and I didn't really like the just the environment, and I was like, well, you know, these aren't my people. Right. Um, I transferred, tried to transfer to New York City, got waitlisted for six months, stayed in the school, obviously in uh, California, and mm-hmm. then ended up um, getting accepted the next year, so then I went to New York. And where'd you go to school? The Fashion Institute of Technology. I originally went there under the same major that I was in at San Francisco, which was fashion merchandising. And the funny thing is before that, I actually applied to be in a jewelry, a jewelry design major. I went against it because I was just really curious about doing something different and that I wouldn't normally do. Right. So went with fashion merchandising. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I w- went to New York and had a first semester doing fashion merchandising, I had my first like aha moment. Like this isn't my major. Like yeah. I think it would narrow me down to be very like boxed up and I don't like to be in a box I like to have like freedom and it only gave me two options of what I wanted to do after school which would be like merchandising or buying so after that first six months in the new school and realizing okay look the people aren't really affecting it it's just like the major I switched to the advertising and marketing major so you're a new school new yeah. major oh you're man you're a west coast girl that moved um, to the east so like tell me about that because I have my own understanding of being a West Coast girl and I moved to DC and I was like wow I, I mean I adjusted well enough but it was definitely a visible difference in the way that people live there like the hurriedness the rush the like, attitude <laughs> the culture so did you have like that similar experience oh my gosh yeah. I cannot like I swear New York made me who I am today right. like just career-wise yeah. personality-wise first getting there I'd never been to New York when I first moved I just showed up and I was like cool and I don't know that was not like me then like it might be like me now but like that was my first inch of like or I guess experience of doing something on a whim versus planned out right and I showed up there and within the first two weeks I had um already started working fashion week it was like a whirlwind I was making new friends I was like whoa who are all these people and everyone knows that you're from the west coast when you go there I guess we're kind of like the laid-back suburban girls (laughs) and going to New York they're like 
Um, you haven't figured this out yet? <laughs> and that was like my second week. Literally, exactly. And I got an internship at a fashion week through this girl. She's like, I really like you. You should replace me at my internship. And at the time, it was for um, entertainment PR. I had no idea. What inter- As you can tell, I've been through a lot of majors. But I'm like such a, like, let's go with the, you know, flow. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure, I need an internship. Let me get my experience. Um, showed up there. And I remember this woman, and oh, I feel like she's one of those like people you will always remember because of an interaction. And I showed up as best as I could, look like I tried to dress up, look cute. And this woman goes, "Wow, you're definitely like she told me she's like you look great, you sound great, but your resume is trash. Like if I didn't have like a recommendation from somebody, and I can see that you're like really a good worker, I would throw this in the trash." And I was like, oh, "That was my." <laughs> So I was like, because I was always good at paperwork, like yeah. stuff like that. And then she's like, this is too long. You need to get to the point. And I was like, okay. This is my first experience yeah. of like just taking almost, I wouldn't say it was actually being let down because I was always just like had good grades. Always was like, yeah, that yeah. was really good. But this is my yeah. first time getting told like you could do better. Yeah. Like, so that kind of feedback. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay. But that was so helpful. I was shocked. But then I was like, oh, I have to stay here. She's giving yeah. me a chance. Yeah. So she's like, no, we're going to keep you. Mm-hmm. I really like you. And I was like, okay. Oh, and that internship, I literally was in over my head. Like, mm-hmm. totally. So how did you manage, like, knowing that? Like, you just did your best every day? and. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, too, like, because I didn't have the aspect of, like, when you're in your hometown or around people, a lot of people you know, you feel like this... Not everybody, but I've always felt like I needed to share my time with people and yeah. respect other people's opinions. And um, that time, I just had started making friends. So it was a little easy to just, like, focus on what I wanted to do versus being like, what are my friends doing? Yeah. So I was able to show up there. And I remember I would have it class in the morning. I would ride the train over there. And then I'd do that. And then I'd have to ride the train back to Midtown and have class again and, like, do it all over again. Mm-hmm. But... I was totally shocked. I think those were my first, like, biggest shocks, I think, because showing up there and learning that... The, I didn't even know who I was working for. And then I found out it was, like, her name's Susan Blonde. So she used to be Michael Jackson's um, publicist in the 80s and 90s. So oh, she wow. was a big deal. And here I am showing up, like, let's PR. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I remember meeting her, her in particular after going through everyone else. And she, because after a while, she kind of heard about me because I was giving people advice. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I had an opinion and it was entertainment. So I was like, usually brought in by like the older publicists, like, can you listen to this music and see if you like it? Would you listen to this while you're out? At the time, I wasn't even a clubber. He's like, would you listen to this in the club? I was like, oh, sure. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm not going to show you what these people look like. I want to hear, you know, I want yeah. you to know, like, this is talent. And that led to her hearing about me in the space. And I went into her into her office one day and she's like, I need you to go to my house. And I was like, this is like, I don't know. For me, I've always been like, oh, boundaries, people are private. And she's like, do you know how to get to the Upper West Side? She saw it in my face. I did not know how to get there. Like I literally was there for maybe three weeks. And she's like, how long have you been here? And I was like, three weeks. She's like, you should figure it out by now. And I said, oof. It took me six months to figure out the subway. I think it took me like a whole semester to figure that out. 
And I remember I ended up figuring it out. I was like, okay, I have to do this. Yeah. It was definitely giving like double words Prada vibes. Yeah. Where she was just like super stern, but like yeah. she knew what to do to push you. And that was like, it was so helpful interacting with them because none of them were my age. And I was constantly like being pushed to figure out how to write outside of creativity. Which I was always like a blogger, creative writer, and then in there I was writing to get people jobs. Right. So it was definitely a big switch up. And how long did you do that internship? That one was like, it really wasn't that long. I would say it was about six to eight months. And how long did you stay in New York? About three and a half years. So when you left and you came back, because like for me, I realized I was a different person. You just mentioned like New York made you who you are. How was it coming back home for you? Because you, you came back to Seattle. Right? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, ca- back to California. So, was, yeah. California. Okay. so I was going back and forth. So like on the summer times, I'd come back and visit yeah. family. Um, and it was such a big difference. I think coming back to where it would be super slow and mm-hmm. like people didn't care how they appeared as much. Like the West Coast, like don't get me wrong. People just well know West Coast, but like it means it's business on the East Coast, especially yeah. in New York. Like you yeah. have to show up because it's so competitive. And I started to get so used to being competitive where it's like, Time is money. Like, you gotta get out of my way and you gotta make yeah. sure this is like, you should be there 30 minutes early with extra things I didn't ask for. Yeah. And that is what built me to be like such a good worker. Yeah. So, like, coming back on the West Coast and even just working everyday jobs, I found myself getting like, like, why aren't you working as hard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that sounds terrible, but yeah. like, I think it totally puts this idea that you do have to work really hard mm-hmm. and you have to do it consistently mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the harder part is kind of balancing your personality to come back and be like, oh wait, I don't have to like rush yeah. on the West Coast. Yeah. Do you feel like you're still like that a little bit? For like sure. When it comes to your work and things like yeah, that? Yeah. I feel like um, I have higher standards for people's work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I've always had that, I think, from my mom. But then going into New York and understanding like when they're asking for one thing, truly they're asking you for three others and you better have figured it out by the time you sell them the next time. Like, you know, like you have to figure yeah. that out under, like, read between the lines. I get it. Yeah. So I think that has helped me be a good worker, but it has helped me, I think, in ways become less patient with others sometimes. Our first time meeting, we met at a photo shoot. Yeah. But I met you, like... On Instagram first. So I, like, met your Instagram persona before I met you in real life. I don't really know the moment that I decided that we were friends. Yeah. I feel like it was another interaction, like, on social media. I was like, all right, we're we're besties. I know. Um, Speaking of, like, the persona, too, like, I think even my best um, best friend, she always is, like, who I've known since, like, high school. So she's always like, oh, my God, it's so interesting how people see you so differently than like the people who know you in real life yeah. like because you do really well putting like a persona mm-hmm. and for me like before i was like oh i'm just playing around like how i want to present myself yeah and now i'm like no these are actual versions of myself it's mm-hmm. just like now i'm okay to say like yeah that is a version of me yeah. that i put out there exactly and i'm not hiding it whereas before i was very good at i was trained from a kid to be very good at like per- being a perfectionist and like presenting yourself politically correct and not pushing too many buttons right you don't talk about certain things and i think that's one thing my family has taught me and my brother just because they saw that we could do something big and like with my brother it was more so sports so yeah. like he was like you can't post anything in particular like where he was on that side of like only post certain things on instagram right yeah. and then i think where it switched for me because i was like that for a long time i wasn't very business forward and like mm-hmm. clean 
it's actually after I didn't get an opportunity with the government. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm trying so hard to be some, like a version of myself I always was. I'm like, okay, it's okay to be like this other version that might be a little more like sensual or sexual yeah. online and you still can like get opportunities. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, yeah. I want to talk about your work. What led you into the skin and healthcare industry? You went to college mm-hmm. for marketing <laughs> and now like where did that transition yes. happen? Okay, so actually... This whole time while I was in college, I was working in the beauty industry. I actually was working in makeup most of the time up until um, esthetician school where I worked in like more retail skincare. And then I got so burnt out in school, like because in New York, I was working like multiple jobs, doing the internship. I was never home. So I was like, Oof. it felt so chaotic. I was like, I need to just go back to the West Coast. And I think, I think that was my low point was after school because I was like, how is it so hard to get a job in marketing right now especially as somebody who like really preys on like how hard i worked on my internship how like i worked on education and to be kind of just put in a pool of people who probably didn't do the same thing made me a little upset right yeah (laughs) and i think that was my moment of like what was me moment it was probably a good like summer and a half or something yeah few months and then I was like, okay, I could just, let me actually just do like esthetician school. And I applied for my first job in the Bay Area. And I think this like, by chance, that first job is really what like set me off to be like who I am in the industry today. Right. And I got that job before I passed my state board. And I remember her, she was like the owner. She was like, you better pass because you start tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, this is pressure. And I love pressure, as you know. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah. And I had passed it the first time. And then I already had a job. So mm-hmm. it really like pushed, it made things go fast, which I needed at that time. Because I was a little stagnant after right. marketing and feeling a little like, where is my next place to go? Right. Okay, and so did that, was that really when your business idea started, like, to that you wanted to have your own business? Oh, yes. Okay. During school, actually, I knew, based off how I, I think I've always known, based off how I interact with others, and Mm -hmm. how, like, I've always felt more passionate than the leader in every room. And I'm always like, why aren't you trying another creative idea to, like, make this business better? Why aren't you trying this like i get that you're tired i think i had that part of the privilege of like not actually owning anything because i'm like (laughs) why aren't you doing enough you know like i do understand like there's so much that goes into business but i think knowing that i was always a little bit more creative in like figuring things out and like i really saw myself grow in three months and when i first started and i was like okay Mm-hmm. I started to figure out my timelines of how I can build. Mm-hmm. So you've had this business idea for a long time. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit more about, like, The Garden. Why mm-hmm. did you choose that name? And where are you at right now with it? Um, right now, I'm still in the building phase. I'm really, like, thankful that I was able to do the program with Pierce County um, mm-hmm. to help with get some matching grants and kind of help inspire me and be around other people who are working in business. Right. The name The Garden, I was trying to find something that coincides with just like one, my persona, mm-hmm. and also something that would be available for everybody. Because I find that all the places I've worked for are very woman forward, and they actually kind of discounted anybody of any other gender. Like it was very hard to like go into a space that looks like, oh, this is for girls and girly girls. The men that I've had over the years, I know would never brag about the place they've walked into to come see me. So I was like, okay, I need to find something that just sounds simple, easy. And I'm also a marketing brain. So I was like, okay, what can be easily 
told to others, what can be easily spelled, what can be easily remembered. I wanted it to be peaceful and the concept of how I wanted to have a space for those to come in, even if they're not getting like beauty um, services done, Mm -hmm. um, I want them to be able to come in and get resources for mental health. That's my top love. I think over anything is like making people feel good. It just happens. I've learned to know that my job in the beauty industry also does the same thing. Yeah. I was reading your blog. This is what you said. The language you use to describe your circumstances determines how you see, experience, and participate in them. It also affects how you deal with your life and confront problems big and small. Do you remember when you wrote this? Absolutely. I think I love to keep that stuff up, even though it's been a little while. Yeah. Um, I reread my notes from literally like all the way back to 2013 that I like, will write notes like that. For me, I think what that means is like, especially when I get in space of like, oh man, like I'm not... I don't think I have enough money for this. I don't think I have enough clientele for this. I don't think I can create a career out of this. Yeah. But when I'm in that space, I'm not going to go anywhere from there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in a space where, especially where I'm at right now, where I'm like, okay, how can I be creative enough to create that support? Yeah. How can I live off of this until I get to this point? And not put so much, so much pressure on like right in the beginning like i'm never gonna have like a star mm-hmm. business within the first 30 days like yeah. nobody does i think talking about it in a space of like okay how am i gonna get there versus like all the things going against me is the only way to go about it and the only way to like proceed just like just get started yeah. like you have to start yeah um because if you wait you'll never do it exactly so i feel like you're very well read do you have a favorite book Ooh. This is tough. Or something that you're reading right now. Okay. Well, I like to reread books. There's a couple different ones I like to reread depending on the space I'm in. Okay. The one I'm rereading right now is called The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. I like to read the chapter on ego because, <laughs> like I said, I will literally doubt myself or I'll get so much. Sometimes it can go the opposite way where you feel like you're untouchable. Mm-hmm. And reading that chapter on ego where it tells you, like, all of those choices and the words that you're using around mm-hmm. whatever you're going towards are going to work against you or like for you mm-hmm. in the same way kind of what I said in that quote too. But I'm struggling in the aspect of relationship with food actually, mm-hmm. which is one of why I really love to work on nutrition. Yeah. Um, this one's called Exploring Relationship Between Eating and Intimacy When Food is Love. The author's name is Janine Roth. She has like two or three books on eating and like love and the relationship of women and like their relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And I could take so much out of that book. The way that we will emotionally relate to others or food mm-hmm. shows up in so many different ways. And you just mentioned food. Did you have a favorite beverage? Ooh, well, other than caffeine, um, <laughs> coffee, I love me a good Americano. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty boring on that aspect. So, what is something that you wish other people knew about you that they probably don't know? So, I feel like I know I come off super unapproachable in a lot of spaces, mm-hmm. but I am very easygoing. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, do you plan to get back into writing, or is that like a thing of the past for you? I think I'll always be a writer at heart. So, and, and I even thought about this when I was like, girl, you need to, I love to put a lot on my plate, mm-hmm. but I do want to do, like, 
I plan in reference to my business to do like a few different like courses and stuff and even guidebooks so the writing might go into that but I also plan on doing more creative writing later on like I've always wanted to have a poetry book and I've always just wanted to have even just books explaining like experiences in life because I feel like I've lived like 20 years in like 10 <laughs> so they're old souls I know I like young when you look young for sure yeah. I, I would agree with that too it was like oof Chelsea's older than she really seems. Really? So, um, and speaking about that, what do you think is your biggest obstacle that you've overcome in your life so far? Ooh, I think my biggest struggle has always been with shame. Mm. And I think that's what holds you back in a lot of things. And whether that shame, like, my shame has come from different places. Right. Um, whether it's just from my traumas, but shame is something I'll hold on to like a like yeah. an old teddy bear like yeah. ooh cause yeah. it's what it's what kinda keeps you safe from going after those goals that you are capable of mm-hmm. but they're so big that you're like oh, I don't know if I can do it yeah. like I'm not supposed to do that yeah. like if this happened to me I shouldn't be doing that Right. so yeah. I think shame is my biggest obstacle and I've overcome a lot of it mm-hmm. but it does creep back in every once in a while how can someone help support you in your business or you know yeah. You raise funds, give yeah. you resources or tools that you might need. Absolutely. And you can email me at deargreenqueen at gmail.com and I'll have a form for those people. But also, I'll be throwing events in 2024 to raise money for my business. Like, if you could show up, that would be helpful. Or even if you want to sponsor, like, products, if you have a business that you want me to, like, promote, mm-hmm. I'll do it for you. And be able to give those to other people who are interested in just like sm- supporting small businesses in the community. Right. And kind donations are accepted as well. Absolutely. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for being here. I really appreciate you. I'm and so again, excited to be here. I feel <laughs> special. 